Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 7 Becoming Glaikut There has long been a recognised medical condition associated with those who visit Glake without proper preparation. Confronted by the vastness, energy and complexity of relationships and bureaucracy, tension, violence, hypocrisy, creativity and exuberance that binds together individuals, departments, guilds, gang bosses, politicians, merchants, temple workers, augurs and securitat, it is not uncommon for the casual visitor to suffer a bafflement so great that they become incapable of functioning properly. Crossing a street is too much for them, eating, talking, even taking a piss properly is beyond the capabilities of the sufferer. A victim of this condition is referred to as having become glacic, brain damaged by overexposure to Glake City. Luckily the condition is curable through long periods of quietness and simple living. However, these beneficial conditions are not to be found in the Great City itself, not even in its most sacred temples. To be cured, a Glaikic person must leave Glake. Unfortunately, the process of leaving Glake means negotiating one's way through the city to the nearest exit, a process that can only exasperate the illness. Happily, most visitors will find themselves in the company of locals who will, for a price, happily help the visitor leave. Some visitors, however, never make it out. Severely glaikic, they can be seen sitting on pavements and benches, gazing vacantly, some muttering to themselves, others breaking into little songs. Each year, the Repatriation Guild identifies thousands of Glaikit sufferers. Those who can be identified are sent back to where they came from. For many though, there is no such solution. The more capable are sold on to temples or other guilds, but in exchange for labour they are given food and a bed. The less capable are enrolled into the guild of beggars and return to the street. Some survive and over the years become as recognised as the local monuments and architectural landmarks. A few will even come to be regarded as living saints. Most, though, will die of exposure or in the crossfire of local disputes. All, however, will be given a proper funeral, courtesy of the Guild of Beggars.
To avoid becoming Glaikout, one should only travel to the city in the company of supportive guides or travel groups. Always carry a homing device, preferably implanted, so that you can be located if you do go astray. And have plenty of ID and cash secreted about your person. I, of course, as Prince, was during my brief stay constantly surrounded by a retinue that, amongst other tasks, meticulously planned out every visit I made in Glake and its hinterland. Despite all this, I was by the sixth day beginning to exhibit early signs of Glakeitness. I was becoming confused, fumbled my words, forgot names of dignitaries. My optimism was wearing thin, and I increasingly suffered moments of doubt and a desperate need to get back to the relative quietness of the peninsula. If any of the Glake dignitaries noticed, they were discreet enough not to say anything aloud. I noticed, however, that my drug bowl now contained little files of chamomile and heroin infusion. Though they did nothing to help me focus my thoughts, they did at least bring a sense of sleepy calm to my confused state. Given the nature of their environment, it is perhaps no surprise that the residents of Glake suffer little in the way of fear and doubt. As a people, whether beggar or nobleman, they enjoy a strong sense of certitude and an amazing capacity to put up with and bounce back from the worst that the fates can throw at them. In response to the killings by the Captain Errol Clown, the people were content to let the matter be dealt with by retribution and ritual. The retribution I have already briefly described. The ritual demands a more expansive description. Following the killing and dismemberment of the two killers, the meat and offal of the remains were hung from hooks at designated points on the outside of the wall surrounding the royal palace. The heads were hung at the north, legs at the south. The arms went to the east, the torso to the west. At each point, a large notice listed the three heinous crimes of the executed. Treason. Sacrilege and unlicensed street performance. Across Glake, in the administrative offices of the 300 departments, in the temples, brothels, markets, schools, orphanages, Everywhere imaginable, including the private homes of my subjects. The execution of the criminals was reenacted. In kindergartens, children dismembered newly killed mice and rabbits. In the deepest shrines of the holiest temples, wolves and deer were killed and cleaved apart. Notices listing the three crimes were hung alongside the remains of the slaughtered animals. Following discussion between augurs and the main department temples, it was announced that the gory leftovers of the criminals and animals should remain hung up for seven hours precisely. After that, all the gore and meat and bones was to be taken down and handed into the main department temples. Following another seven hours of prayers for cleansing, the bloody mess 
would all be transported south to the harbour. Glake's massive 43-mile-long coastline of ports, jetties, warehouses, beaches and, of course, harbours. From there, the human and animal remains would be taken seven miles out into the ocean and dumped, after which Glake would be free of any cosmic and corporeal pollution. All this was carried out with typical Glake enthusiasm and efficiency. In the early evening, there was a brief announcement of the disposal of the justly slaughtered May They Suffer in Drishika. The announcement was accompanied by a vid clip of holy men and women tipping meaty lumps out into the water as sharks snapped and rolled in scarlet waves under the thin cloud of incense smoke. The watery ceremony was the last news coverage of the massacre. The announcer finished her report by reminding viewers that even with these most recent fatalities, Glake has experienced its most peaceful festival of Fierna and Tayene in 16 years. Department disputes are being settled by arbitration and so far there have only been 62 guild-related assassinations. The 25th anniversary of the ascension of our sovereign lord Prince Sajin certainly has had a wonderful effect on all his subjects. To ensure our continuing good fortune, we should all get back to celebrating Fierna and Tayene. You don't want to upset those bad boys, do you? Ripping off her dress to reveal a micro bikini, the announcer signed off her report with a salute, a smile and a jolly. See you all at the beach party! listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and the Hurting Heart. Be sure to tell all your friends and family and ancient enemies about the story. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Havering Rab, on Instagram at Celtic Tales Galway and you can check out my website ravfultonstories.weebly.com